from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist. Welcome to The Good Atheist Podcast. My name is Jacob Forte. My name is Johnny Scaramanga. My special guest, all the way from... You're, you're, where do you live again? Bristol. Bristol. All right, all right. All right, cool. Like uh, Sarah Palin's daughter. <laughs> Never, ever say that to me again, Jake. Really? Yeah. I, I think I've started a war with Bristol <laughs> for those comments. That's cool. You know what? I got probably... I got Bristol Palin on my side. She's got a mean right hook, so bring it on, bitches. <laughs> yeah, actually... Uh, yeah, I need to. I need to be nice about about Bristol. I um, I may be joining her blog network. So, is that right? What's her blog That's, network called? She, she's on Patheos, I think. Hmm. And uh, so obviously, I wouldn't be on the same channel as her. But uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I, I, this is this is a disaster. I'm, I'm on the like first minute of the podcast. I'm already getting myself in shit. But uh, I think my blog is moving to Patheos, and that's all happening. Oh well, I'm I'm glad that you're actually moving on to a platform that's not WordPress. That's what you were on before, right? Right. I'm still on as we speak. I am on WordPress. Right. Uh, I, I kept telling you, WordPress garbage. Get off that. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a pain in the ass though, probably right now to just get it off, right? Yep, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. But you know, I've done okay on WordPress. Anyway, I'm sure our listeners are are fascinated by the inner workings of of blogging platforms. Well, actually, you would be surprised because every once in a while, people are always asking me about you when they're like, when is he going to come back on the show? And it's like trying to make them understand that, uh, guys, you realize that uh, we're across from one another, like for, uh, across the ocean. It's hard to organize. The time zone thing is an issue. And let's, let's be honest here. It's also my complete inability to reply to emails. Yeah, it's true. Well, I, I mean, or, or, or Skype or whatever. You are, yeah. uh, you're an enigma, sir. You're out there I, doing your own I, thing. I, I just never sign into Skype. That's the main thing. <laughs> All right. Well, it always looks like you are signed in. That's what's so tricky about your goddamn account, dude. Uh, that must be... Uh, I, I know nothing. I'm clearly old already because I don't understand why that, why that is. Uh, well, you know, it's not that you're old. It's just that you feel your own technological limitations. That's it. Right. We, I mean, do you know how to use Instagram? I have not used the program yet. I know how to use tons of programs, but goddamn, there is a limit. No, actually, I've never even tried to use um, Instagram. There you go. That's... But you're you're a musician, and that's a pretty big program for a musician, isn't it? Don't the people Instagram shit all the time? That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, I'm a pretty unsuccessful musician at the moment, however. So uh, that that'll be that'll be what that is. I've I haven't done any music for. Uh, since I left my band last year, and so, Johnny, are you going through a crisis? Is this an intervention? Did you come on the show just for that? Because we had a plan about what we were going to talk about, but goddamn it, if you're not doing some music, is there something I, wrong, man? I know, right? Uh, well, there is something wrong. Is that I'm doing a PhD. Uh, you um, should, they're, they're bad. They they, <laughs> they rob you of music. They rob you of so much. Yeah, I have a friend who's doing a PhD, and she is uh, always a borderline uh, about to go nuts. Yeah. What what yeah. Uh, what compelled you to want to torture yourself in this way? Do you want just to put doctor in front of your name? Is that it? Well, Doctor Scaramanga. It was it was almost compulsory, really, wasn't it? It does sound good. I'm gonna say. But uh, the main thing was that. I, when I started campaigning against accelerated Christian education, I started looking around for academic stuff about it, and there hadn't been anything for like 20 years, and even then, not much. And I, was, I just felt like if, if I didn't do it, no one was going to, and it needed to be, needed to be researched, because there's this bad thing that's been happening for 40 years, and no one's even noticed. Well, I think people have, uh, some people have noticed, but it just really does take a lot of effort to come out and to speak about it. That's the difference, because a lot of people are willing to say, wow, that sucks, but not a lot of people are willing to be, and I'm going to change it, you know, I'm going to do something about it. Because a yeah. lot of people are probably, cause, you know, like to pass on the buck. It's easy to pass on the buck. Somebody else will do it. Yeah, and, and also the thing about, from an educational point of view, AC is so crap that it's not really interesting to people that are interested in education. 
Like at least given up on them. Well, it's not even that. It's just if you're if you're interested in a research question like you know what's good education or how do we educate children well or any question like that, there are no answers to be found in ACE. It's it's a disaster zone and it goes against everything that the entire educational establishment believes about how people learn. So everyone just looks at ACE and go, well, there are some nutters over there. We're going to leave them to it. And I'm going, well, let's not leave them to it entirely because there are kind of children's lives that are being messed up by this and it's probably worth saying something about it. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it makes me think back at some of the times where when I was in school and, you know, you look at all the things that they were teaching that were just wrong because they didn't really get it yet. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking just off the top of my head, the taste bud thing. And I remember, because they were trying to say that there were specific zones that... I, and I remember we had a class about this, where we had different flavors and we had to yeah. put it on our tongues. And I remember my immediate thought in my head is, I call bullshit. I'm tasting sugar on the side here. You, this is dumb. What, it's written in a book. What the hell? And But at the same time, like, you know, there's a part of you that's like, I can't question authority. What the hell is going on, you know, in your own mind as a child? This is a yeah. huge dilemma. There's some cognitive dissonance happening here. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that was really. I mean, even that's a failure of education. It's not a disastrous one, but really, um, it's, anything scientific should only ever be taught as this is, you know, to the best of our knowledge so far, and this is where the evidence is pointing, and this is why we believe this stuff. But it's always, you know, if we find out something else further down the line that contradicts what we've discovered so far, we may have to revise our understanding. So really, science should be taught better there but i guess that's you know it's a long way from telling you some stuff about taste buds that's not quite true to telling kids in science that the world was made in six days six thousand years ago and because of that you shouldn't masturbate yeah well clearly i mean if the if the earth is that young you should not be jerking off there's more important things to do like worry about magical playland that you're gonna go to and if you don't get there the super magical terror land that you're going to to go to how you know thinking back when you were a kid you really strongly believe that because again you were in the fundamentalist mindset and you had videos of you for those of you that don't remember about this um we're going to put a link to that because they're still just hilarious to watch and terrifying <laughs> at the same time <clears throat> here we have little johnny who's, uh, you know, drunk from the Kool-Aid, some Paris. And you, you you look like you were going to be on your way to being little Marjo. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I guess it could have gone that way. Uh, there's probably some parallel universe somewhere. If parallel universes are a thing, then there's probably a parallel universe somewhere where I am like a like Christian musician somewhere going out, throwing Bibles into the crowd and telling kids, you know, love Jesus and stay in school. Right, exactly. And then t teaching them all the things that uh, you're doing the exact opposite of, you know, the, the own hypocrisy. Being like, don't uh, have premarital sex and do drugs. They're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I think, you know what, for people who have that mindset of the don't masturbate and then suddenly get thrown into the, let's say you're a Christian rock star, yeah. a purity you know, like singing about purity or whatever. That's got to be the biggest fucking hypocrisy you've ever sung in your life. <laughs> Holy yeah. Man. Yeah, there are some some stories out there about the... Uh, I don't know so much about groupies. They're just rumors. But bands that toured with Striper in the 80s definitely remember them being quite drunk when they weren't on stage. <laughs> which I think the members have subsequently admitted to, actually, that they were just... Yeah. But, I mean, I, I kind of don't blame them. Imagine the pressure of supposedly being jesus's role models and oh, like all the yeah. pressure of like living the perfect evangelical life i mean i tried to do it as a teenager it was crappy enough when i didn't have a million christian kids looking up to me on top of it i'd have needed a drink yeah and to be truthful i mean this will become from me and it doesn't sound very nice but i kind of want my musicians to be drugged up weirdos i don't want no fucking sober ass motherfuckers because let me tell you something uh, artists usually do drugs because they work you know, uh, sorry guys, it's the sacrifice I'm asking of you. Do some fucking H, write me some great music, and then go through a rehab for a while. I only need two albums out of you. <laughs> I'm cruel, right? Yeah, you are. You are deeply. This is the uh, the Bill Hicks line on. Uh, oh, is on it creativity? Does he, does he say yeah. that? 
Well, his his whole thing was, you know, about anti-drug campaigners was, you you know, you better throw away all your rock and roll records because those artists real fucking high. <laughs> yeah, well, there was it was funny because I was reading about Ray Charles, you know, deeply troubled, but also individual, but also a genius musically. And uh, talking about when he stopped doing heroin and he was just like, yeah, I can't write like I used to. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, damn it, damn it. Too true, yeah. but yeah. Well, I really we, don't we, want that to be true. I really, I, I think really... we'll we'll be able to do it in the non, let's say, non dangerous form in the future. Maybe all it takes is a couple of little stimulations there that can be done with a ray gun. Are you going to suddenly say that you don't want to fucking take a hit of the ray gun because you're writing great music? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think that there are lots of ways to stimulate creativity, and yeah, we'll. You don't have necessarily to be massively high to do this. I don't know. I don't know if this is like my prudish past speaking here and actually it's like, yeah, let's all go out and get leathered or whether. Right. But I don't know. It's healthier ways. I think that like the whole concept that we have of like an artist as someone that needs to be fucked up in order to create is is really damaging to artists as people. It's true. But at this, I think that the problem that we have is that, see, the real key is is maybe not even the drug it's actually the suffering from getting off the drug that is that is the real inspiration for all the art because you can't make great art if you're not suffering so maybe that's the key instead of giving them drugs we should just hook them up to you know torture devices and then they'll just make better art (laughs) see it's a good thing i'm not the leader of some kind of country because my ideas not so good yeah, or, or rehab. That's the other thing I really don't want you to be a leader of ever. Right, yeah. I would not be a good rehab guy. <laughs> I suppose you'd be, you'd be fine for people that aren't creative, but for the creative people, you'd just be there going, no, no, stay away from here. You need to stay fucked up. I just don't want you to be happy, that's all. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. I don't want them to be completely miserable all the time, but I do recognize, you know, even me, myself, like if I look at the best of my art, yeah, I did that when I was really depressed. Like really really depressed and it helped i mean you know when you really feel saying like man i want to dig myself out of that hole i'm gonna do it through this so it kind of helps it's fucked up man yeah it's funny i can't write when i'm when i'm down i I write better stuff when i'm feeling good about myself and you know who else was in that boat this this will blow your mind who john lee hooker the legendary blues singer and guitarist could only write when he was happy well, actually, this, it's a misconception when people think that the blues is music that's supposed to make you sad. You see, I had the fortunate... Uh, I watched the, the, the documentary by Ken Burns on jazz, which is like this monster of a documentary that I recommend anybody listen to. But they talk a lot about the fact that blues is designed to make people happy because what really is going on is blues is an expression of what a person is feeling and they're working through it in the song. Now, it's not that the fact that the subject matter is depressing, but the fact that a person is able to express himself that is what is uplifting. Yeah. And so that this is the misconception that people have about the blues because we, you know, well, it's probably in the name. <laughs> but yeah, it's designed to make people feel happy. And, yeah. and there is there is the sense that uh, that is a very important element let's say to to all art but again like the, the the weird nature with happy though is it is impossible to have like the really highs of happy without the lows of sad you can't have the blase life right and and that's what any christian apologist will tell you about why there are suffering in the world mm, well i think they'll just probably tell you though that uh suffering is just a because I've, I've watched various videos on that and they always have some very creative explanation one of them is they try to separate it between natural evil and moral evils so they they even make a distinction in that so you can make distinctions any ways you want to justify your little magic shit (laughs) all day long (laughs) at the end of the day i only listen to fucking evidence really at the end of the day and speaking of magic let's move on to our first topic because we're we're obviously meandering and that's great This, this is the most meandering podcast i've ever been on well, you, you've never been on a podcast with my buddy Jeff. We meander far more. But uh, it, people like meandering podcasts, so don't worry yeah. about it. We don't need to keep on no damn schedule. I'm the, my okay. own producer. Cool. <laughs> so speaking of magic, yes, 
there's been news recently that uh, of Pope Francis because he he came out and said, well, you know, he came out and reiterated, let's say, the church's stance on evolution and made a few statements. The fact that, well, you know, God didn't magic the universe into uh, into being. It's just he had to create these laws and so on and so forth. And, of course, the media, because they're in love with anybody who isn't, uh, who doesn't look like Emperor Palpatine, but basically were sucking his dick pretty damn hard and just saying, this is amazing, what a big deal it is. And so me and Johnny are here to tell you how that's a complete load of bullshit, basically. Yeah. Well, I'm still... I just remember seeing the first headline and being like, the Pope accepts the theory of evolution. That this is this is not news on any planet. Is yeah. it? I no, mean, honestly. Like, first of all, we already knew that they have this weird stance where they're like, "No, evolution happened," but so did Adam and Eve. And you're like, "Say what?" Right. Well, see, I I had to. I went to the the, the deep and rich scholarly source that is Wikipedia to double check this because um because i am too lazy to do any actual research on anything other than accelerated christian education but at the same time i wanted to double check that what i th- my th- i thought was right was right and it turns out that the church has like made statements accepting evolution since like 1950 but according to the deep and rich scholarly source that is wikipedia it hasn't been dogma so it's been left to like local churches to decide their own positions yeah, well, I think that after uh, after uh, Jean Paul II, which was another kind of like little superstar, everybody kind of liked him, even though he was a terrible human being. But that's just how they all are. I mean, you know, displaying a little persona so that you can like. Meanwhile, doing all kinds of awful things in the background because you're not paying attention. Why do you care? Somebody can eat sugarcoat it and say, "Wow, this is great. They support evolution." Well, one uh, in the most pathetic way imaginable where they're still saying well jesus had to vicariously die to forgive us for the sins of the first people that couldn't possibly have existed because we would have been a genetic bottleneck yeah i wonder like guys like because obviously one of the best books explaining why creationism is bollocks and for explaining evolution to the unfamiliar is uh the catholic guy whose name i was really hoping was going to come to me as i finished this sentence ken miller? but it's not ken miller thank you yeah and... i have his book too and i read it and i and i dissected it and why and i pointed out where it was so disastrous where it went off the fucking rails but yeah go on yeah so i've not read it actually um but uh oh I you, did, you didn't oh okay well let I... me let me explain to you then this book because it the first parts of it are kind of he's great at giving simple analogies to why it all works right but his explanation near the end of the book of saying why evolution could work through it is essentially because the whole time he's telling people that uh, intelligent designer using the God in the gaps arguments and he just keeps using that again and again and again and again. And then finally at the end he says, well, the, the way that it works is that God has functioned through the, uh, uh, you know, the fact that there's quantum undeterminacy. Well, he determined it for us. That's what he did. Right. Okay, so his argument is like using the quantum to make space for God. Yeah, exactly. He's That's using the, the smallest I'm... possible space in the gaps of a Planck length, essentially. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that. I know the. I was um was on a TV show earlier in the year, and I was talking to the presenter about this book, and he was saying that he talked to Richard Dawkins about it. I'm just dropping all the names here today, huh? And, <laughs> Look um, at you. So some some bloke that I met met Richard Dawkins, and Richard Dawkins had said that Ken Miller's book was good, but he goes it went a bit funny at the end. And That's where uh, it was funny, yeah. Right. That whole um, excuse me, your whole argument of the God in the gaps. I don't care how small that gap is. That's still God in that gap. Man, I've got to read this book for myself now. I'm surprised. I mean, uh, I guess I shouldn't. Perhaps I perhaps shouldn't be surprised. But it just seems weird to me that like. Almost always when someone who is not uh, a physicist who specializes in quantum mechanics, anyone else that uses the word quantum is almost always talking shit. That's just like the law of quantum. So it's it's kind of depressing that someone who's a a trained scientist in one area would 
not know better than to go, I'm going to keep away from the quantum stuff because no fucker understands that and I'm not going to pretend I'm one of them. Oh, it's just, but there's also no other explanation as to, therefore, 2,000-year-old dead Palestinian Jews got. There's also no mention of how that goes into the quantum at all. So, you know, it, it's, those, it's those times where all of a sudden you're kind of like, look, you give such a brilliant explanation of how we look at the fact that we have one less chromosome than the chimpanzee and see from there the evidence, the clear evidence of our relation to them and then still say, Jesus, I mean, come on, dude. I mean, you're, the smoking gun is in your fucking hand. You pulled the trigger. Yeah, well, I mean, I know, I know loads of Christians that will, um, will reconcile their faith quite happily with, with evolution. And I, I, I sort of have a strange political alliance with some of them because they also are against creationist education. So we, we have that in common. Um, You've got to work with people. I mean, do, I, I, I was schooled many years ago when I had this amazing man, Leo Igwe, who works to try to help with witchcraft accusations in China. You know, important. I mean, not China, in Africa. You know, important shit. Yeah. Anyways, I was talking about like, can we work with these people because they're the moderates that create that environment? And he's like, look, the thing that matters right now is just to help the people on the ground now. Like, get over your little ideological battle that you're fighting here because maybe you're fighting that with yourself and just realize that they're, you know, we need fucking boots on the goddamn ground. Yeah. And so you got to work with people. And, and, and that, it, again, shows. Like, it's, it's another way of outreaching to people who are just going to come this way anyways. As soon as you start working with them and they even do a modicum of research, come on. They're going to come over to this side. It's, it's not like we haven't heard every single one of their arguments before. They haven't heard ours. They haven't really listened. I see. I don't know that that's true. I know people who, who really have heard the arguments and who just who, who, who reject them. And I think that the thing that people don't understand about belief is that if you've got something that's a real real central belief central to the way you understand the world like god exists or god made everything for example then that becomes a filter through which you see everything so it's not really everything that you see confirms it in a sense certainly there's nothing that could really disconfirm it because you're using this as as like a pair of goggles that you're using to look at the world with it's not something that you're kind of comparing with you know, testing against reality all the time but even even uh, the people that you've met you're only meeting them at a very specific time in their lives and whatever they tell you you can't take it face value you don't know the private concerns that they have or the issues that they wrestle with because why the fuck would they tell you well, for sure. But what I'm saying is, uh, at this point in time, there are people who tell me that they are, have heard the arguments and they still believe in God. And it's like, well, okay, I have no reason to, to disbelieve what you're telling me. Well, I uh, have a good but... test. I have a good test. Here's what you do in the future, since you're so familiar with the religion itself. Do this fun exercise, which no one seems to be willing to do. Have a debate where you take each other's position to show, demonstrate what you know because I think that that's the real problem. We should do a debate where all of a sudden we're like, hey, William Lane Craig, you say you understand atheism. I'll debate your points and you debate mine. Let's see who does a better job. Your goal is still to win a debate. Try to win. And then I, I think it would just demonstrate the fact that these, this, you know, that people are saying that they're aware of the debates. But what they are is they're, they're aware of these words, but they have not pieced it together because I don't think they realize the fragility of their own beliefs. Like, they are literally fragile. If you're a Christian, you have no basis for your beliefs. Zero. I'm like, I'm sorry to break it to you, but not only is the foundation of Judaism complete fraud, but there's, show me the evidence for Jesus. Do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even then, even if you could show uh, he's a God now, what is your... What is your premise? You don't even know your premise. You just, you've been told this, you believe it, you form a basis of everything, or at least you think you form a basis. But I think that that's all, those are all platitudes. Those could easily be changed, interchanged with any other, you know, Allah, fucking Buddha, whatever culturally you're ingrained to. But everything else comes from your culture, and your culture is not all your religion. And the more culture evolves, the less a religion takes part of it. So they have less ground to stand on. 
So I think it's just a matter of time. You met a person who said, I'm really familiar with these ideas. I don't think they are. I'd like to hear them argue for it. And then I'll, then I'll make up my mind whether or not they're fucking being truthful. Or whether they just listen to a video passively and then the whole time kept thinking, God is real, God is real, God is real. That's true. <clears throat> but then I th- at the same time, I think this is, this is my point. When, once you have this something which is central to your understanding of the way the world is, then everything's filtered through that. So every time you see a baby born, that's more evidence of God and, and a flower opening in the spring, that's evidence of God too because every, everything confirms it. It's not, it, it becomes, it's not testable. It's just, it's just a, a way that you see the world. And those kinds of things are really difficult to shift. And, and to tell, tell you the truth, then it becomes the reverse for, for people once you stop believing in God, once you start seeing the world through a naturalistic frame, you've actually you've got to think carefully. Okay, what are the things that could that could disprove this? And there, and there are things, but but a lot of the time we we're both looking at the world through essentially a, a, a lens that is self-confirming. Everything that we see reassures us that our own beliefs are correct, and we're more likely to notice those things. So, I'm not. I I do think that atheism is a more rational position than Christianity, but I think that we're all prone to confirmation bias in in very similar ways. Oh, absolutely. I think I I, I suppose I, I speak from a biased perspective because I'm always looking at the other side, right? On a daily basis. I mean, I even rewrote the Bible for fuck's sakes. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm familiar with your material. Are you as? Fam- Did you rewrite the good? A- uh, I mean, the the God delusion. That would be that would be being very familiar <laughs> with the arguments. Do you know? So I guess yeah. I'm looking at it from a very different framework. I'm like, I even think that if most people actually rewrote the Bible, they we wouldn't be a believer. It'd be impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Well, I think that when you make that argument, you're kind of letting the fundamentalists win, um, which maybe maybe you want to. I think a lot, a lot of atheists do. This argument that fundamentalist Christianity is true Christianity, and that, that what they call biblical Christianity, in, in quote marks, is, is true Christianity. So you assume that the true Christian position is the one that assumes that the Bible is the word of God. And I don't know if that's really... Like historically, a Christian position for Christian fundamentalism is quite a new new thing. It really came about at the end of the nineteenth century, and and it definitely, I'm pretty sure that if people put like the effort into reading the Bible and rewriting the Bible and thinking about the Bible that you have, yeah, they absolutely they couldn't be fundamentalists. The 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 Bible does not support a fundamentalist reading right, but, of itself. I mean, okay. But let's look historically. Why is it that those fundamentalist groups only appear in that time? And that's because let's say. Well, there's a few reasons. The first one is because all these groups were appearing, but were being immediately destroyed. You know, any time a group would come up that, say, was against the, for a long time, what the Holy Roman Church would decide, uh, there's a lot, there were lots of inquisitions, lots of internal fighting, lots of deaths. So these movements were just not allowed to grow. So this is like, if, but fundamentalist movements, or at least the movement towards say, more literalistic approaches in the Bible appeal to groups all the time that want, you know, say, that are violent, that want revolution. I mean, like, if, you read the, if you read the Bible, let's say, just the Old Testament part, it's an obvious a- appeal to people who feel as though they are being persecuted, that their persecutors are uh, partly their own fault, but also that there's going to be retribution and the people in power are going to be taken down and murdered and so on and so forth, Right. There's an appeal there uh, for people who may be in a position of, uh, you know, not a position of power. And I understand that. But I I, I think that ultimately the cultural forces were more at play. And those cultural forces, let's say in in Europe, uh, well, it's pretty complex because Europe is not a homogenous place. But at the same time, you're like, you know, if we're, if we're discussing why is fundamentalism a new movement? Well, it's a new movement in Christianity only because, in a sense, there was a homogeny for a long time enforced by a monolithic religious group. So that's going to that's gonna stop a lot of that kind of progress. And the other thing, too, is that, I, I, you know, once, if, if the culture has a little bit less influence on you, and then you're, you know, and, and now you're having much more influence from the religion itself, then you're going to be moved towards fundamentalism, because the culture's not there to stop you from thinking this. 
I, I just had an interview See, with... This, you, with so you, you said the religion itself there, but you meant the book itself. The book itself, right. Okay, right. so what I, what I was trying to argue... But what I was saying is, why is, the book, why is the book the religion? That's a, that's a fundamentalist idea. Yeah, but okay, so w- w- religions are, are, are kind of... They're institutions, right? Uh, partially. You could describe them as institutions. And then when these branch off, we usually refer to these as cults, right? I guess that's the distinction we would make between the religion and the cult. Like, how do we make that distinction? Yeah, and usually defined as like a new religious movement is the term people use now for cults. Right. So I guess it's just, it's, an, it's, a, it's a movement that hasn't been, that hasn't stabilized, let's just say. See, I, I, I think that there are movements towards a, a much more literal interpretation of all religions, but they probably fizzle out because the books themselves are unstable. They can't, lead you to a very they can't bring you to a good place let's just say modern society but it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of valiant effort or people that want to push it that way i mean how many people want to stone kids for for being disobedient how many people would like to see that come back wait if you asked a survey and i just think that the, it's the cultural forces that are protecting us and if those were eroded then yeah there, you'd have some good old religion come back pretty fucking hard i think pretty damn hard so i think that the shield against that religious fundamentalism is actually culture because as soon as that disappears fundamentalism grows that's what i think in the sense of religious extremism in the sense of religious extremism yeah absolutely yeah for sure but i guess my point is that when people when people make the argument which i hear a lot of um to, to a liberal christian well, you say that this is what your religion teaches, but you haven't read your own book. Like, that's the kind of argument that people make a lot. And I'd say, well, that you're assuming there that that person accepts that the book is the word of God, and that's the book doesn't claim to be the word of God. That's an idea that's been imposed by by like generations of indoctrination of someone that decided to, to call it the word of god but it's not it doesn't it doesn't say that it is it's got but if you look at the bible as what it is which is a a bunch of different authors talking about their understandings of god and their understandings of events and things and look at it like that then you could have a completely different understanding of the religion one and one that's maybe more based on on what the teachings of the church are so i'm not saying that arguments against the bible aren't aren't good because they're really good at attacking the kind of Christian that I used to be. But they, you completely miss the mark with some Christians when you make that kind of argument because they're going, well, that's not what I think the Bible is. So, so your argument doesn't affect me. Right. Well, I, I suppose, see, that's, that was a good argument that you made in terms of the, the word of God. But the problem I suppose we have is that a person can say they believe it and then actually not believe it. Like, for instance, if we did a survey of how many people think that the Bible is the word of God, I, yeah. think, that, I think those surveys are generally pretty high, probably past the 50% mark. But is that the actual truth? You know, it's, it's kind of like when you ask people about themselves, do they really tell you the truth about themselves? Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a dynamic go-getter. The fuck you are, you know, you're, like you're catch potato. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, we're not very good at self-evaluation. So I, maybe this is also part of the problem, where there there are all these magical defenses that religious people have in the in in the sense that they're not really forced to confront any of those things. Like you don't think that the word uh, that the Bible is the word of God, and that maybe even just that confrontation would have a huge impact because I think that people are kind of partially holding on to it. It's like you you believe it, but you don't. You know, it's a half belief. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, well, certainly anyone, anyone that's holding to kind of like some inerrantist belief of the Bible, that that's a an internally inconsistent position. It's it's not one that you can can hold consistently because the Bible, the Bible isn't consistent. So if somebody comes along and says, "I believe all of the Bible," immediately you're like, "Well, no, you don't. You can't. Actually, impossible." And so again, that that only affects. The, that class of people that will say the whole Bible is the word of God and I believe it as uh, one preacher used to say I believe it from Genesis to the maps but um, which is a joke that only works to people that are raised with those leather bound King James Bibles that have maps of but, the Middle but, East at the back of them let me let me good, use a good example though of how even just a tiny amount of knowledge goes a long way like one of my la- one of my previous guests 
was Bob Ripley, and he was one of the senior pastors for the, uh, the, the United Church in Canada. It's like one of the largest congregations. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he had very poor knowledge of the Bible because, you know, in his, in his view, like he was like, well, I'm putting less focus on it and I'm putting more focus on my fellow man. But it didn't necessarily mean that the seed of doubt wasn't implanted. And as soon as he really did start to read it, it didn't leave him with much, and that really did shake those ver- that very foundation. So I, even, I, I think that the issue is that no, the people who believe and who don't put much credence on it would love to ignore it. But I, I, this is why I still think that it, it is still so very effective, because even the people who are like, it's not the Word of God, and could use the argument, it's just these books. I'm like, even when you read the, the books themselves... You know, even when you think, oh, I'm going to read Matthew and it's going to be filled with great things. And when you read and most of it is garbage, racist or strange, or even when his own disciples are asking, why are you speaking not clearly? And he's like, because the Bible told me to. And you're just like, what the fuck kind of answer is that? (laughs) You're not left with a lot. Well, I also, I mean, I think that it's the right strategy because I think that it's the people that, that treat the Bible as the word of God that cause are the problem, problems yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so they are the enemies in a sense the other ones the nice guys are the united church guy that doesn't really give a shit and he really thinks that religion is the best way to help people and the sad truth is sometimes that's true that's our problem i think what like, do you mean it's a reality because we can't offer an alternative do you know what i mean like all, all of a sudden it's a religion religious groups are often the first ones who are going to be like oh, we're going to pick up and help of course, that's going to come with some strings attached, but we're going to fucking do it. And I feel like, you know, for a lot of non-believers, once we leave religion and that kind of stuff, we're like, well, you know, I'm done, right? I don't have any, I don't have to do anything I don't believe. So I don't need to tether myself to any group. I don't need to have any sense of, like, like for instance, a good example was a friend of mine's father lost his, you know, well, his, you know, his son was killed and, and his church choir was there to be very supportive and i'm like man having a group like that would sure help yeah yeah there are a lot of people for whom like religious support is is pretty practical on the ground i mean funny enough maybe i'm not representative in this but i didn't i, I wasn't particularly charitable when i was a, a believer uh, and my family weren't really either because they gave away huge, huge amounts of money, but it was to evangelists right. and, and preachers. Uh, and I mean, it's pretty sickening to me now that like the family gave away just such vast sums of money, um, which is fine if it had actually gone to, to helping some people, but but it didn't. It, it went to um, you know spreading this this word of of, of fucking enslavement. Uh, the the we prosperity gospel preachers that we preached were just leeches that exploited the the most desperate and poor people in society with promises of of healing and and riches and and the people that you get in that situation are people that don't understand how to you know, demand evidence and, and in rational ways and people who are desperate for answers so you got people you know giving money that they can't afford to give uh, and making long journeys that they can hardly afford to go on to wait for hours in the hope of seeing the miracle worker who's going to get get them their miracle and then and then taking their their loved ones home in a wheelchair just the same way they arrived only well, a bit poorer worse, than they were actually yeah because well, they, right. they decide i'm throwing away my medication in some cases that yeah just just disastrous evil evil stuff and um i've forgotten what point i was making so my family gave this money away so we weren't charitable um and since now i i am much more charitable than i used to be and i'm not earning a lot of money at the moment because i'm a full-time student but at the same time i'm still i'm still giving money to charity in a way that i didn't when i had more money when i was younger and and so maybe maybe i'm not typical in this but i kind of i kind of want to like when i was religious i believed in tithing and i thought all that money was going down the toilet and i was like well if we could find a way to afford to give away 10 percent of our money when we were giving it to shit causes i can damn well find a way to you know give away 10 percent now that i'm actually in a position to to choose which worthwhile causes i want to support and uh, there are those things like uh, there's like um non-believers giving aid isn't there or something like that there are there are uh, yeah, there, there, are, there, are, coordinated. there are charities, but I, I, I'm mm. talking about, I think that what we, and, and those are fine, but I, th- I think that we should kind of take one step 
back a little and realize that, okay, there are some people who are around us that need charity. There are many people yeah. around us that suffer from just yeah. the fact that life is fucking hard, you know? And, yeah. and, and it's great that we're also helping people across the seas and that kind of stuff, but we, we should have a system where we can help each other yeah. Well, this reminds me actually. You're, this reminds me because, of course, I mean, one of the, the one of the things we're talking about really here is community. Yeah. And uh, the churches are quite effective in in some cases, um, not really in the cases I went to, but sometimes churches are very effective at creating communities that are supportive and provide friendship and and all these kinds of things for people. And and if you leave church behind, you can lose that. And and that's and that's something I've really thought about a lot because I went through a lonely period after I stopped believing and and there's been things like the Sunday assembly you know attempts to form an atheist church and, and there's been all the controversy over that and and it's not been great but one thing that is happening at the moment is um Vicky Garrison who is uh, a blogger at Patheus who runs no longer quivering that blog and she has been at risk of losing her home because after she left the quiverful mo- movement her husband's church helped uh, her, her church got him the the best divorce lawyer and and fucking took her to the cleaners yeah. and uh, and so she was left she she kept the home and she kept the kids but she got nothing else and uh, and she finally got to the point where she was about to lose her home and um, so we've been trying to raise twenty three thousand dollars for her so that she can keep her home and and we've done pretty well I think we've raised like eighteen or something so far or, or I'm trying to find the um, well you know you, you know she was my last guest eh? and. Uh... And this is the problem of trying to tell everybody that we're back because I was telling her, I'm like, for the next mm-hmm. few weeks, you know, 100% of the proceeds of the book are going to go to that because I also wanted I wanted her to have that cleared off of her plate because yeah. there are other things that, you know, that we had been talking about saying stuff like, I think that eventually if we can have enough support that she should be running like a charity to help other people get out of these movements because her story, yeah, it'd be like a... There's a thousand of these. Oh, um, yeah. woman wants to leave uh, her abused kids there. Well, the husband's got a lot of support, and he's going to destroy you. Yeah. And we have nothing to like help incentivize these women from leaving. Uh, you know, and but here's here's someone that I think gets it. But yeah, absolutely. we're 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 st- we're stuck. You know, like we've done well, but I mean, at the same time, there's so much more that. She could be done, and we're just not doing it. And that's that's kind of that's, that's my indictment of of like the the movement. This is why I always usually call it the atheist scene because I'm like until we're a real community. And I know that a lot of people think, well, we're non-believers. That doesn't unite us. I'm like, of course it does. <laughs> when you're a hated fucking minority, that is enough to make you a group. Realize that. Think about that and its influence on people, on lives. What about all the atheist kids that have been kicked out of their fucking homes because they they decided that they were going to stand for their non-belief? Are we supporting them? What about the women that need to leave their abusive husbands? Are we fucking supporting them? I just feel like we're just not doing enough. No, right. But I guess, or anyway, I said all that about Vicky to say maybe because, in as much as there is a movement, it's an online movement, and maybe it's going to be online things that, to begin with, anyway, that happen. But but you're right, that's that's not enough because sometimes what you need when you're in a shit position in your life is people to come round to your house with soup that they've made for you yeah. and just like company. So there's there's much still to be done i think i think skeptics in the pub is there's skeptics in the pub is really taken off in the uk as as a way for um there's a there's a a big overlap between the skeptics movement and the atheist movement put it that way and it certainly is as a way for those people to to find each other and beat each other it's pretty successful it hasn't really very successfully mobilized itself as a force for activism yet but it could well, a lot of movements, you know, sometimes they start coffee shops or whatever. Uh, mm. And then it just takes a few people that decide we're going to do something about it. Now, the, the the tough thing and the weird thing about this scene is that that's the hardest thing to do because that's where you're going to get the most scrutiny. If you try to organize people, that's when people are going to be like, whoa, there, we're not a religion. But at the same time, you know, having the U.S. where, uh, you know, atheists have actually gained significant ground by being recognized as actually a religious group. And I'm sorry, guys, we're just going to have to fucking play that game. We're just going to have to play that game because there's so many benefits that we we don't have. Like, do you, do you, I have to pay taxes. Not cool. 
I wish I could be an atheist preacher. Hmm? That'd be fucking sweet. That's not going to happen, though. I mean, not in my lifetime. Fuck. <laughs> Too much needs to happen. Too much needs to happen. But, okay, let's... I want to move on to the second topic that I wanted to talk about. This is a short thing that I want to just mention uh, because I just, I just think it's fucking amazing. So... If you're not aware of this joke that's been going on, or if you're a new listener and you've never heard of me joke about the abortion van, let me just lay this out for you. Throughout the show, I've always said that what we, what we really need in the abortion debate is a bit of normalization. I feel like a lot of people always make this big deal out of it that it's traumatic. Sometimes, of course, it can be. But because we have this attitude towards it, it makes us afraid to talk about it, and we don't want to deal, about, deal with it. So I say... Fuck it. Take a van, paint it like the mystery machine, and call it the abortion van and drive around and just talk about abortions, you know? Get people to fucking talk about it. But you know what? Somebody had an idea that like that, except for a million times better, and it's called Women on Waves. And I encourage all of you to go check this out if you're a strong believer in female reproductive rights because what they do is amazing. They take boats... And they go to countries where abortion is not legal, and you kind of guessed it, this is an abortion boat. This exists, dude. <laughs> I mean, the fact that it has to exist is awful, but the fact that it does is kind of amazing at the same time. It's pretty incredible. I'm still absorbing the awesome of this, especially uh, this, is a, this is a topic that's close to my heart today because a friend of mine posted about there's a, a debate... I. Uh, happening at the moment because there's a possibility of them changing law to make abortion on um, illegal if the reason for it is you're not happy with the sex of your baby in the UK. Right. And um, so there was a discussion on a friend's Facebook thread about this and people saying debating it back and forth and then a massive pro-lifer came in and it was just like hey look at christian right propaganda machine over here uh, spewing all the stuff about how it's a life and babies are awesome and 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 so you should be happy to have a baby and also it's murder and the, just the usual the usual lines and and you'll have a lifetime of regret if you have an abortion and all this and i was like well well maybe maybe the reason that some people uh regret having abortions is because you feed them fucking propaganda that tells them that it's murder to kill their baby in the first place and because of that they feel guilty there's your massive self-fulfilling prophecy that you're on here yeah so, well, or, or I, you you look at the fact that uh say there are more crisis pregnancy centers than abortion clinics and these these places are are disguise themselves pretend that they're abortion clinics but really they're uh, religious propaganda machines and these exist. There's like in some places there are nine of these to every one abortion clinic. That's the fucking ratio. Pretty scary. And you have to kind of wonder. You know, I don't know if you if you do you watch John uh, Oliver. I do. Yeah. Did you see the segment that he had on uh, just l this this Sunday where he was talking about all the uh, you know the fact that yes, Congress may be a gridlock, but that doesn't mean it's like that in every place. And that there have been, I think, in the past three or four years, 209 uh, laws passed that are restrictive on abortion and that make it so restrictive that Mississippi may be forced to close its only abortion clinic. So they may need an abortion boat going down to Mississippi. That's <laughs> <laughs> just... We're going to what? Alabama shit. It's more progressive. That's his joke. I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> It is it's terrifying where you really you you realize that the 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 war on reproductive rights is happening all over the place but there is a ray of of hope when you see something like women on waves at least I think that that's just that's some fucking Indiana Jones shit right there that's kick ass we should I, I want there to be abortion ships yeah I think I think I I've said that out loud and I immediately want to take it back I've I've thought that through a bit more but um abortion ship well that's I, I, it's just that's it sounds weird it sounds like horrible it's a, horrible thought possibly yeah. possibly what i actually mean is i want there to be like good sex education access to birth control all around the world um and also a, a free and safe availability of abortion for women everywhere but probably not abortion ships thinking about it they sound pretty unpleasant it, it's well when you say it together as a word abortion ship it sounds like you have a relationship with abortions that's what it sounds like <laughs> so i'm just going to call it abortion boat 
no, no, no. We're going to call it womenonwaves.org. <laughs> Visit the site. And, uh, and they have a donate button. So I strongly recommend that if that's an important issue to you, you should probably check them out. And at least spread the word. I mean, that costs nothing. Fucking Fuck literally yes. nothing. Uh, you know what's also interesting, and this will be this will tie in next week after this interview. I'm posting up uh, that interview I was telling you about with. Um, basically, did, did you read the um, this article where uh, this uh, Canadian Pakistani uh, woman was writing to Ben Affleck saying that he was doing more harm than good? I haven't read that. I've seen that. That's yeah. been in my Facebook feed. Well, I interviewed her. We we talked about. Uh, you know, can Islam be reformed and what's the culture like? And one of the things that I thought was super interesting we talked about is just how, you know, she, she does sex education there because the attitude in Pakistan is women can't have pleasure during sex. And you're just like, oh, man, there's a road ahead, people. That's a tough road ahead. Joyous. I know, right? It's, uh, but, you know, we'd be surprised at the rate of change. Maybe that's the, let me polish that turd. I mean, does it, does it have to always be painstakingly long? Maybe not. At least if... I, I don't know if I can polish it that much because, like I said, res, abortion restrictions in the U.S. have gone... have increased. So I guess it's just darkness all around. Sorry, guys. Couldn't polish that dirt. Could not polish it. But we're going to end on a happy note. We are? Good. We're, we're, we're going to talk about my new campaign. Yeah. That's what we're going to be talking about. For those of you who have never heard of Patreon... It's, it's a system that I should have probably gone on uh, a lot sooner because I've, I've been doing this myself anyways. If you're a long-time listener of the show, you know that I used to do something called the Hardcore, the 300, and it was paying members that would give a certain, you know, certain amount. Some, some of them five bucks, some of them more, depended on how much they liked the show. And I've been doing that since like 2009. But they invented a site where they kind of take that concept and they make it a little bit more like the way that Indiegogo and Kickstarter do things, where they allow you to set up incentives, to break it up, and, it, and it's easier for people to go through a system that's legit than my little bogus-ass system. So I thought to myself, good atheist needs to make a comeback, and I want to make it loud and proud. So I decided I was going to do a Patreon campaign to announce you know, my glorious comeback. So that's kind of like the, the whole point. You go on Patreon, there's all these campaign things. One of them... The more expensive one now, the $15 one a month, may sound like a lot, but what you get is essentially five postcards, and each postcard has, like, uh, you know, a book in it. So you can send it out to people. So essentially you're buying, like, four bucks or five bucks. So it's a pretty good deal. And you're supporting... And, you're suppo- and, and, like, they're all collectors. I'm only making a limited amount of these motherfuckers because they're goddamn gorgeous. Because I figured, you know, when you have an ebook. People want some physical, right? Like just, oh, I bought an ebook, so what? So I decided you can't get gift people ebooks easily. But what if there were something that you could hand them, like a coupon for a book? That's the that's the idea. Make it gorgeous and beautiful, and a Bible quiz on it, and make five of these suckers. So that's my awesome. plan. That's my plan. And I'm also for the people who give five bucks a month. I'm giving them. They'll have access to the essentials. So the essentials DVD that I made, that's going to be all the bonus content for people who support the podcast. And I'm going to continue to make more. Like, for instance, uh, I'm also going to, if you're doing the $15 one, I'm going to, I draw your face as a cartoon. That's going to be one of the new things, too. Like, I want people to look like the cartoon thing, my style. Won't that be awesome? I mean, who's that not going to awesome. want that? Yeah. I want that. Are you going to get 15 bucks on No, you know what? You work, so you get it for free. How about that? Yes. Yeah. But you gotta have, you're going to have to come on the show more, though. That's like almost a commitment, like being okay. a cartoon. Okay. Well, that's, that seems fair. I, yeah. think, uh, I think it can only go up from here. Right. Okay. So you, you're, you're making a promise to the Good Atheist fans, and you know, there's a lot of them that like you out there, and I, I, I don't doubt that there are some of the members who follow you on your blog and stuff, and you've now promised them more of you, so you better not disappoint them. Hi, my I fans. <laughs> we call them Johnnyites. No, I don't know. We'll, we'll have maybe a better name. Scaramangarists? Scaramaniacs. Scaramaniacs. Is that what your like, music fans call you? I, um, if, if I had some, that would undoubtedly oh, come be what they on, would call gotta me. There's got to be some, dude. I do, I do. I've just disappointed the shit out of them for yeah. the last two years. So I, uh... Well, I'm sure nobody who's listening to the show now knows how that feels. 
<laughs> Can I just say that uh, you know, if you if you like an artist, you'll you'll realize that once in a while he will tremendously disappoint you. But uh, it's it's sort of like the depression happy thing. You need the bad to get the good. And for now, we're promising some good stuff, uh, and we're putting our little Patreon campaign up as the hey, I'm willing to commit. How about you guys? Because I'm going to be giving out some pretty awesome stuff. So that's my plan. What do you think of my plan? I think it's a, I think it's a kick-ass plan. I've been, I've been trying to think how I could do a Patreon myself, but as I am not an artist, uh, I have not currently got anything to offer. But I, I know some other, there's some other good Patreons that are out there that are happening. It's just a really cool way to support people who make stuff. I say, hey, I'm going I'm to do your favor. I'm going to do a solid here, Jake, and plug your, plug your shit for you. Not that you're exactly shy about plugging your own shit, but um, like, it takes a lot of time to do activist work, and people that do blogs and podcasts and things do make an important difference. Having these resources out there um, helps to build the kind of community that we're talking about that currently doesn't exist but it's we start to bring it together because people connect through the comments sections of blogs and at conventions where these things kinds of happen these kind of things happen and it provides resources for people that are thinking about leaving religion and don't know what that entails or what life could be like outside of religion with resources they can turn to so it's these worthwhile things and but they cost a lot of money to do and although creators generally make them available for free that doesn't mean that they wouldn't really really fucking like your support so um and and having your support can make the difference between them being able to do it often and maybe not have not being able to do it because they have to go out and do other stuff that actually does pay them so this is worth supporting if you like the good atheist podcast then you should sign up to the patreon thing couldn't have said it better myself and there is there is also even one more bit of like cool stuff like if if it's if this is a success like well, i had one, que- one a fan asked me a question the other day he said where's the audiobook i've been getting this question a lot from people and i understand that people are getting a little bit antsy about it and i'm i've i've booked some studio time to get the audio to start working on the audiobook but i i i only have one challenge that i need to overcome and that challenge is i need to find a female voice cuz i'm not doing the girl parts that's uh, that's that's what I'm gonna say. I need to find a girl. So I am, I'll do the girl parts for you. Is, <laughs> no, you that will would be not. perfect. Uh, girl parts done by Johnny Scaramanga. Thank you so much. I'll be here all week. Mm, pass. <laughs> you will sell. You will sell at least one extra copy. <laughs> you have me do it. Wow, one. <laughs> so, well, I'm gonna have to rethink my plan now. Well, if you can guarantee those kinds of numbers. No, right, hell yes. Um. <laughs> but yeah, the audiobook um, is, I am working on it, but I wanted to make it, you know, like, did you ever, you must have heard this as a kid. Did you ever listen to any of those cartoon, uh, those uh, tapes, like a fantastic tale stuff? They'd come with a book and then they'd have all the audio of like the monsters if you're reading a fairy tale. Like, did you ever hear those before? Uh, not heard those. No. I, anyways, I used to listen to those as a kid. They were terrifying, but awesome. Like, they had all this cool production value in it. You know, like, there was a storm. They have a storm sound. And, yeah, I kind of want to do a bit of that. Yeah, like, I'm doing it a bit, like, the, the way that it's read is, most of it is my little snarky fucking narrative voice. But a large part of it is also dialogue between people or description of events that I would love to make a little bit of a special effects for and that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be... That's what I'm trying out. And also, the cool thing that I'm doing, if you're in Montreal, which you're probably not, uh, November 12th, I'm going to be doing a stand-up uh, comedy routine uh, about my postcard. See if I can sell these motherfuckers. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to film it. I'm going to have a buddy film it, and I'm going to post it as the bonus material that's going to appear in the Patreon campaign. Another reason why you kind of want to donate, right? Because that's going to be that you, if you pay a dollar. The very basic one. Like, if I had a third of my fans pay that one, I would be rich. So, well, not rich. I would be doing okay, is what I'm saying. A dollar a month. That's the basic one. But uh, you can also see my stand-up shit. That's cool. Hell yeah. Hells yeah. All right, well, I, b- before we go, I'd like to thank my now-committed Johnny Scaramanga. All i got to <laughs> do is fill 
my order of one hilarious cartoon picture of you, and I've got you locked down. You have. Well, I'm going to regret this. I should have. I should have pushed for better terms. Yeah. Well, you know what, though, you might change your mind when you're also doing. You know, when you're on the big boys uh, on Patheos, and uh, and you're going to continue to grow. So I think that it's going to also be helping getting the word out about you. So just I think thought. so. Just a thought here. Cross promotion. I hear it's a good thing. Good. I'm going to steal all your fans. That's my plan for it. That's cool. Then I then you know I won't have so much pressure, and then you can take over that mantle and produce content for the next seven years of your fucking life. See how you like that? <laughs> <laughs> no quitting for two years. Like uh, nobody likes that shit. No. Yeah. All right. Christ, is that how long it's been? For me? Yeah. Um. Well, it was kind of like the, I meandered on and off for about that amount of time yeah like i'd put up a show every once in a while but that's how long it took to write the book and uh, when the book was re- being written i was not really producing shows yeah time flies that's why i gotta hunt these motherfucker down until show is back and there's a lot of them so you gotta catch up yeah start listening to these things and support the patreon campaign and uh with that my name is jacob forte my name's johnny scaramanga have a good atheist day everybody see ya